Welcome to ADHD is Over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is Over. Welcome back. Today, my guest is Kelly Miller. She's a psychotherapist, a radio host, and an author. Kelly's the award-winning author of Thriving with ADHD, which is the number one bestseller on Amazon and has won the 2019 Indie Book Award in two categories. Kelly was a co-host on LA Talk Radio with over 1 million listeners and was an expert radio personality for SiriusXM Radio. She co-authored over 50 articles on WikiHow, was the women's relationship expert on TheExaminer.com, and also the advice columnist to the largest listserv in the country. She was quoted in Oprah Magazine in three separate relationship articles and was a contributing author to The Chicken Soup for the Soul, Messages from Heaven, and Other Miracles. Her YouTube videos can be found under Kelly Miller LCSW and her Instagram is at Kelly Miller Therapy. We will have that in the show notes as well. Now, let me welcome Kelly. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So this is a great story. Um, I've had several stories of parents who were inspired to launch a business or write a book or in our case, make a film. So tell us about your story. How did you end up writing this book? And for anyone who's written a book, uh, or even for someone who hasn't, it's quite a, a feat, right? It's a task. It's It takes time. It takes commitment. So what inspired you to, to do that? So uh, I have two boys. Currently, they're 11 and 8. Uh, I knew my oldest had ADHD type traits at around one or two. So I kind of, you know, it was, it was always in the back burner. Um, and then when my, my younger one was about two, I saw the kind of the same thing. And so we got some support and resources and things of that sort, but how the book came to be is just being a mom with two boys, uh, you know, with executive functioning, uh, delays and things like that. I had to do a lot of research. Um, and so I just had to figure out strategies and tactics and what would work for them. So I kind of kept that knowledge in the back burner. And then I was going to write a book, actually, I wrote a relationship book. And my agent had asked me if I wanted to write a book about ADHD. And, and she said, do you, I don't know, do you by any chance know anything about it? And I was like, well, actually I have two boys. So that's kind of how it started. And I had to write the book in six weeks. So it was a quick and just kind of really fast tracked process. Wow. You wrote this book in six weeks. I did. <laughs> wow. Now this is mainly the writing, not so much the illustrations and all that stuff, right? You Correct. Yeah, it was a, it was a different illustrator. Yeah. And for those listening that if you're not seeing this, obviously it's a beautiful workbook with lots of illustrations and graphics, and it definitely does not look like a six week book. I can tell you that. <laughs> Thank wow. you. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Um, so having two boys, I mean, we have one mm -hmm. uh, with that was diagnosed with ADHD and you have two. Mm -hmm. Tell us like, 
how was this at the beginning in the household? I mean, you were at the time married, right? Yes, exactly. What was life like with two boys uh, with ADHD in the household? So, I mean, I have, I'm a pretty honest and pretty direct person I'm from the East Coast. So I can't lie. It, 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 it still is challenging. It's, it's a lot of energy, a lot of work. Um, you know, you, you just you kind of have to be on all the time. So I think even when they're even younger, it's, it's just very tiring. Um, so I say that for those parents or caregivers who are out there and feeling, because it's a very isolating feeling when, you, you know, you feel like, oh my God, why, why is this so exhausting for me? Or people who don't have children similar will kind of be like, it's not that hard. What's the problem? You know, you, you just do this, you know, or you, you're more strict or you parent less strict. I mean, people kind of have all these opinions, but it's very isolating. So I'm honest because I think it's really important for people out there who are dealing with kids diagnosed with ADHD to kind of have that, you know, comfort of like, Oh, I'm not alone in this. This is tough. It's hard. Yeah. And maybe we can, if we start at the beginning, I want to just ask you as a, as a, a, a therapist and, you know, also as an author, of course, but to you, what is ADHD? Sure. So the reason that I, I, I understand a lot of, you know, the stigma and, and everything that goes with it. And I think the reason that I'm okay saying that my kids have this is only because I think that having this quote label has allowed them to have the resources that they get in school. So for no other reason for me, it's just like, you know, it's basically just kind of raising your hand and saying, hey, you know, I need extra time on tests or I need a little bit more help with this. Um, But I do not look at it as a deficit. Um, I look at it as, uh, you know, a child who has some executive functioning I don't know if you want to use the word issues or delays, but that kind of, you know, it's just, it takes him a little bit longer to process things. Um, But on the flip side of that, you know, I think that people with ADHD are extremely creative, fun, um, you know, funny, passionate. I mean, there are so many gifts. And that was kind of why I wrote the book was because I think a lot of these kids, they don't learn the traditional way. And so they kind of get shamed for that. And suddenly they're not good enough. And no, it's, it's wow, look at all these powers that you have, these superpowers. Um, and then maybe in the other corner, we kind of look for techniques or tactics to help you, um, you know, basically. So you can, so life can be easier for you, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. I definitely, uh, you know, during our research, one thing, one thing we're realizing is that, you know, you can do it with love and you can do it with, with education and tell your kids what it means and what it is. And, and, and then they don't feel like the outcast. They don't feel like the, the broken ones. Right. Cause that was a big concern of ours, you know? Uh, and I think our schools are, are, are not set up for kids who learn differently. I think it's a very kind of two-dimensional kind of way of, of learning. And so many kids, they're, they're just more tactile or they need to feel or they need to get up a lot. And, you know, they've done studies that kids who fidget actually can learn better because they almost are sort of more focused. So I think there's a lot to learn and to be discovered uh, with this too. And do you, um, have you ever thought, you know, in your own life, did you ever think to switch schools? Was that ever an option or a a consideration? So I got pretty lucky in that the school that my boys attended 
um, was really good for them. And they actually did quite well. However, I did have to fight for resources and had to hire lawyers and go through that whole, you know, IEP process. So I wonder if they didn't have those supports, then probably. But I think with the supports that they had received, it, it worked out okay. Um, but I, you know, I do recommend that, that, you know, if you feel that your child is not thriving or not doing well, then absolutely, you know, the school is probably the first place to look at. Yeah. And, and you said you had to hire lawyers. We hear this often, right? I read, read about this often. Is it simply because that's just a system and schools will refuse unless you come with a lawyer? So I think it's a few things. I mean, I think that the, the system only has, I mean, from my understanding, a certain amount of money that they can give to uh, kids with special needs. So they're extremely particular on who that they can allot those resources to. And so I think kind of the default, my guess is, is that, hey, your kid's okay. You know what? He's, he's, he's doing okay. We don't need to... You know, let's kind of focus on maybe more of the ki- the, the severe kids or, you know, different things. That, that's my guess. And so I think that, yeah, you need to come armed and really be your child's advocate and know, you know, what what your child needs. Hey, they're not they need more. They need they need more to do better. So, and, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And, and how do you how does a parent know that you thought, you know what, I got to fight for something more? It's really interesting. I mean, I, I think that I always say to, to parents and caregivers, trust your gut, trust your instinct if you know. And so I'm a big kind of gut person. I kind of knew, like I said, I really knew when they were young. So I got the earlier that you can get into the, the system and the county and get those resources, I say, go for it. So luckily, you know, I was able to do it. I, got, I think I got my older one in probably at about, I think, two or three. And then my younger one was about 18 months because he had a slight uh, speech delay. And so I think if you can start earlier, but then you know, each IEP meeting is going to be different. So if I attended an IEP meeting and it wasn't agreed upon that he should get this particular resource, then I thought, you know, look, I have to have to fight for my child. I have to fight what's right and give him you know, so at least he can be on par with with the kids, you know, with, with typical, uh, you know, brain development or whatever you want to, the term is so that he can be on par with that. So that's why I think it's important, you know, to get those resources. We, 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 we all deserve that, that we can all kind of be on that same playing field. Absolutely. Um, take me back to uh, when when were your kids diagnosed and what was sort of the main uh, factor of I'm assuming intuitively you did that, but right. you must you must have had some something to compare your kids to or when to right. take. How, how did that happen? So I, th- I think back to like when I went to the baby play groups and I would be the mom that was like sweating, like chasing my child around, you know, it, it, like he would just be running like nonstop and just constantly moving. I mean, he has the, the hyperactivity component, but so I would kind of look around and, you know, the other moms would just sort of, you know, chill or I'd look in restaurants and, you know, kids would be just sitting there coloring and quiet, you know, and I was like zooming around and jumping and like, you know, and so I think, you know, that, that piece was quite obvious to me. Um, but yes. Uh, so at five, I took him in for like the, the traditional testing 
And they, they had told me. And then my younger one, they, I don't even know if I actually ever got him technically diagnosed with ADHD, but at, I think at around three, they said he had a propensity toward it. Or I think the terms, because I guess technically they can't diagnose it uh, below five from my understanding. But, um, but similarly, like I could just sort of tell it was like a hyperactivity or an impulsivity Um you know, there's that emotional regulation piece too, hard with transitions, with leaving, some of those type of things. So I think because my older one had it too, I kind of knew what to look for uh, in the second. Mm -hmm. Now there's, I want to just ask you about something in your book. Um, There's, uh, I love your true and false. uh, uh, It's funny, I was testing myself. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I had the answers right below, but. um, So it says at some point you had put that ADHD is something you are born with. Is Mm -hmm. that, was that based on, on a research or a study that you could point us to, or is that, or, or where does that fall in your general and your overall uh, hypothesis of of the book, right? Or of you, of where you stand? Yeah. So it did come from some research. Uh, I did some research for the book, but yeah, from my understanding it's it can be genetic, but right. It's not something that, like a lot of people who are adults may come and say, well, I think I have ADHD now. And it's like, well, no, it's not something you get later in life. It's something that starts when you are young and then can continue into adulthood. From a, but from my understanding, it, you can't then get it, you know, when you're when you're older. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important because a lot of kids or even parents think, okay, well, it's attributed to something. Oh, it's it's attributed to a high sugar diet or, you know, this type of thing. So I think it's helpful for kids to know, okay, there's nothing I did to cause this, right? It's just like a, you know, it's just like you're born with a birthmark. Like it's just, it just is what it is. So it kind of helps release a little bit of that shame. You're not, yeah, not. Now, um, is there something that you could think of? Because one of the things that we're exploring is this idea that the nervous system of, of a little being, right, mm-hmm. during, during pregnancy or right after can get impacted such that it, it goes into like survival mode. Once you have this, I guess you could call it PTSD, you're more alert, you're taking in additional information and you're constantly hyper because you just can't settle down. Right. Right. So is there anything that you can think of? And, and I'm I'm just asking you, uh, maybe there's not, but is there something you could think of that could be that cause in your life that there was stress or anything that happened perhaps that aided or inflamed the symptoms, Mm -hmm. right? Because we had the same thing. So a lot of stress and disconnection and, you know, sure. It's really interesting because I thought a lot about that. And I remember when my older one was diagnosed, I was reading on like a listserv or like a, you know, Facebook group. A lot of women were saying their, their birth was difficult. And, and so I don't know the research behind it, but anecdotally, like it was just interesting to see that all these women kind of had these traumatic births. And I for sure did. I was, I was in labor for 36 hours he was posterior. So um, they uh, ended up getting an emergency C-section. So, um, you know, that in itself was a very prolonged process. And then he also uh, had jaundice and, you know, was under the lights for a few days. So I think, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I'm, I am curious myself to see the research behind that, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. There's actually, we found research on both on C-sections and and this is actually interesting. So there's C-sections, there's jaundice, 
There's even a research we found in Taiwan where circumcision for boys was a tr- was enough of a trauma for certain kids, right? Uh-huh. And so there's many researches out there and, and you yeah. could say it's hard to prove that because we don't know on the level of the sensitive scale from one to million, where's right. our child and what's enough to shock it, right? I want to ask you, did you, when, when, which one was it, Remy or London that had jaundice? Remy. Oh, yeah. So when Remy uh, was getting the treatment, were you, did you stay there or did you also, were you told to, to go home and come back or what was the process like? Well, I was in the hospital because there was ended up a, like a, uh, an issue with me where an artery was cut. And so I, my, I had my own like health issues. So I was there anyway, but it's a good question. I wonder what if the, what they would have said if they would have said, come back, go home and we'll take care of, I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah, Cause that's what they did to us. Yeah. We, we were, uh, it was a few days after birth and we went to the pedi- pediatrician and then he said, Oh, it looks a little yellow. We should go check it out. Yeah. And then we went in and they said, Oh yeah, it's jaundice. We got to go to the, I think it was the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. And then when we got there, they said, okay, thanks. Can we hang out? They're like, Nope, I'm not allowed. You're going to go home and we'll let wow. you know in the morning. And this is three days. Right. And so now looking back, this sort of disconnection of from the mother uh, or yeah. parents, but for three days, yes. that's, Fairly traumatic, I would imagine, if you're a tiny being that just arrived, right? It's very true. Have they changed the protocols now? I'm curious. I, yeah, I wonder if that was an individual protocol. I'm sure that wasn't like a county or right. state mand- thing, mm-hmm. but I just felt now looking back, we really wish we were first time parents. We're like, okay, sure. the hospital is the authority. Yes, sure. Right. Um, so it's interesting because, yeah, so all these things definitely we believe now more so than ever before in the re- during the research period that it's it's a lot of trauma that stresses the nervous system you know uh, the, the symptoms or the the, the traits then that ain't going to help right that's going to just inflame it so um well that's that's certainly great to hear that uh, i always like hearing other people's birth stories and jaundice and all these things it's usually not a coincidence like i've i haven't talked to a parent yet with a child with ADHD where there wasn't some form of, you know, trauma, stress during birth or, or even in the household or, you know, there's thousands of different traumas, but, um, but so now you're, you're living with two boys and they have ADHD and they keep you busy. And so what is your secret? How do you manage? I mean, you look amazing. I know the viewers can't see you. We're doing a zoom. Uh, and having boys with ADHD is not an, an easy thing as we talked about. So what is, what is your secret? How do you stay sane with two, two active and intense boys at home? <laughs> so I think honestly, one of my main keys is empowering them because I think, uh, boys with ADHD, they're already coming into this, into this schooling and into this life thinking they're not good enough. So I think it's really important just to, to constantly talk about their strengths and, you know, how they're so creative and passionate and what they're doing well. Cause I think it's so quick, uh, you know, to be frustrated with what they're not doing right. So really empowering them, focusing on that and then really helping them understand the tactics that help them. Um, for example, you know, a couple months ago, Remy said, you know, mom, um, I realized I was taking too long of a shower. So now 
um, on my iPhone, I'll just set a timer for 10 minutes. And I was like, that's amazing. You know, like he sort of figured out, oh, okay, you know what? I can lose track of time. So, you know, and then also, you know, I'm, I'm very open to talking about my own challenges. Like I am an infant with directions. All I know is turn left a thousand feet. And so, you know, and I've gotten lost so many times in parking garages. And so now what I do is take a picture of my spot of where I am. And so I'll say that to, to people like, look, I mean, we all have our strengths and we all have our challenges. So we just have to figure out what's going to help us, um, you know, to do better. And so for me, it's like, okay, yeah, if I have a picture, I can remember, oh yeah, that pole is there. And, you know, cause directionally I'm just challenged. And so it's that same thing of like, okay, so I understand this is a struggle for you. Let's figure out what can help you. Um, you know, do you need more breaks during homework? Um, you know, do I need to talk to the teacher? Uh, you know, things like that. So, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's a big payout later. Yeah, that's great. One thing I, uh, last night I was very proud. My, my oldest Kai, who's now almost 12 and mm -hmm. he's the one with ADHD. And, um, we were watching a beautiful movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it with, how old are your boys? Uh, 11 and eight. Okay. So. Yeah, same thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, same as stars. Um, it was called the, uh, was it the sea, the water horse? Water horse? Yeah, I think it's the water horse. It's it's the story of the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, cool. Uh, but the, it's a beautiful film and uh, certain parts are a little slow and, and, you know, and we were watching it and we were done and my oldest says like, Usually he's like, it's so boring and uh, I don't, you know, it's boring. And he said a few of those. And then at the end, he was like, that was a beautiful film. It was boring, but it was beautiful. And so I made it a point to acknowledge him last night and also today again, you know, I said, that was really great that you expressed how you felt about the movie. What did you like about it and what was beautiful? And I feel there's a maturity happening when we, when we keep acknowledging them, like you said, for their strengths or their new discoveries or their little miracles, I call them, then they go, Oh, I guess that was appreciated. I'll do that again. Or I'll think about that again. Right. So that was, that was just a proud dad moment yesterday. <laughs> I love it. You know? well, I, love that, I love that he can recognize that he can feel both, right. That he can feel like it was beautiful, but it was also boring. It's like, yes, we can, we yeah. can feel both of those things. That life can be like that sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now tell me as a, uh, not, not just as a therapist, but I hear, a lot of parents in, in these online support groups uh, on Facebook and so forth, uh, you know, single moms or divorced, they'll try to meet a new partner or get into a new relationship. And it obviously seems uh, uh, extra challenging to show up with two kids that are really right. high energy. What is, what's there usually between like, how can, how can a, a mother or a father, uh, what can be done? What, what, if there's anything, I don't know. I'm curious. Can it's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, I'm all about like sort of the prep beforehand. So if you're starting this new relationship, you know, obviously you're going to build that before your new partner is going to meet your children. So I think you, you prep it, you know, um, this is what they're like. Can I give you an example of a day by day? So that why if a new partner, when they finally meet these kids, isn't kind of, you know, jarred, it's like they're, they're, yeah. they're prepared as best that they can. Um, but I mean, the truth is not everybody is going to have the patience and tolerance. Um, you know, I mean, it's even hard when it's your own children. So I think it's going in knowing that it's going to be, it's going to be challenging, but, you know, and then also I think the important key is that not this new partner isn't going to 
but your rescue isn't going to, I mean, yes, they may help out once in a while, but it's important not to kind of, you know, because of course we all want to be rescued when we're dealing with this, you know, with these challenging things, but to recognize, okay, yeah, this is just going to be my partner. And hopefully, you know, when I need it, he, he or she can help, but you know, that isn't their, their primary role. Right. Well said. Yeah. I like that. Um, tell me about, uh, education and the future that you see for your children, how, first of all, what's your vision? What are you uh, stand for, right? In, in uh, uh, education or career for your kids in the future? And what are your plans on how to support them to get there? Right. I mean, I think it's so kid specific, right? And I think we have to listen to our children and what's going to work for them. And so, you know, for an example, for me, my my younger one, London, um, he was really struggling with virtual learning. And um, of course, I mean, we all, you know, a lot of us didn't have that choice, but I saw how much this was impacting him and emotionally, you know, everything. And so, you know, I was able to find a school that um, had live instruction with small classes, had all the coronavirus protocols and everything like that. And so I really just had to to hone in about, okay, this particular, you know, so I think it's, it's important that parents don't get set on, wait, this is the supposed to, you know, this is supposed to be the way, or, you know, and look, I mean, of course we can't all afford private school or different things, but even if you can figure out supports within that system. So I think for me, you know, for my, for my kids, I think it's, I think it's not uh, keeping it fixed that it's going to be changing. It, it, it may grow in different directions and I have to kind of see where they are. Um, and what they want to learn. But, you know, me, I guess my role is just to be open to that and to help support them in any way I can. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, um, you know, ADHD being a a, a mental disorder, right? That's that's Mm -hmm. what it's called. Um, Have you ever thought or have you ever in the past when you first noticed that other kids were calm or at the park or at the restaurants, did you ever say to yourself, well, maybe my kid's just very different and, mm-hmm. you know, they're just going to have to go their own path and it's not going to be easy, but they're actually special. And I don't mean special as in like everyone's special, but, you know, they're just not sort of conforming or they're just not mm-hmm. uh, maybe sure. here for another purpose. I don't know. A hundred percent. I've thought about that. A hundred percent. Um, for sure. And I think we all come into this world with unique qualities and different things. So I have thought about that too. Um, just that, yeah, maybe they're just here to challenge the system or to, you know, teach me patience or, you know, who knows, but I, I'm for sure a believer in that. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Cause I think that's a big aspect is it's, it's hard not to compare your kids, right. With other yeah. kids, cause they're right there and they're like doing well and nobody's stressed out and you're running around with your or they're running around their chickens with heads cut off. Um, But that's definitely been one of our, um, you know, philosophies is just to um, sort of almost, uh, you know, guide them and foster them, but not, not try to choose for them. Right. You have to go there and do this, but it's hard as a parent, right? You're always worried. Are they going to turn out? Are they going to learn? Are they going to learn anything? Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Sure. or is what they're learning right now going to be relevant 10 years from now? Cause you can Google and YouTube it all. So, so true. Right. Uh, just as a general question, what do you see the future that we're living into be like uh, uh, for our kids? Uh, when you look at careers, jobs, economy, I know where, where do you stand as, as, as their mom? 
That's so interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of technology. Um, and I think what what I'm most, I guess we'll start with what I'm most fearful of is the kids losing that connection that we had growing up where we didn't have this technology where we could actually look in each other's eyes. And, you know, I think with text, a lot of times so much is lost emotion and all of that. And so that's a skill that they're losing. So I think that's really important to me as a mom and a therapist is, Hey, I want to make sure that you're still having that face-to-face -face connection. You're looking at somebody's eyes. You're seeing, are they upset by what you said? Did they look offended? You know, because a lot of that is hard to get lost via text. So I think that piece, I really want to continue to have play dates and um, in-person interaction as much as you can. And um, because I think that's going to get lost a little bit. Um, but the other piece, I mean, you know, it's interesting, like, you know, I think a lot of kids who struggle with, with handwriting and dysgraphia and, and those type of things, the typing is probably going to be highly beneficial. So, I mean, I think there's, you know, so there's some, you know, strengths and, and challenges with this tech, but I think that'll be really nice for them where they can, you know, they're able to, to access that easier. Uh, that's funny because I told my wife the other day, uh, she was struggling with, I forgot who it was, one of them didn't want to do handwriting. It's like, what's the point? And I said to her, well, to be honest, I mean, I can count on my one hand, the amount of times I handwrite a, a week. Yeah. Know? Literally everything is typing mm -hmm. or, or even dictating or. Yes. So I, think, I, I think sometimes they're obviously smart asses, but most of the time they really want to know, like, how is this going to be beneficial? And even though I think handwriting is great, right. Yeah. It's a great skill. Uh, really, will they really need it in the future? You know, or is right. that going to become one of those like old things like uh, uh, ink? What do you call those? Uh, yeah, like a pen and ink. Yeah. You know, we're like, yeah, I don't need to do it. You know, yeah. Nice. Really... But, but um, I love, but I just want to stop you for one second yeah. because I, I love that your kids question things. And that's the other thing I think we have to do, you know, as parents and caregivers is encourage that curiosity. It's so beautiful. They want to know that, you know, they're genuinely curious because I think it helps them understand. And so, you know, I think yeah, I love that. I, I want my kids to ask me a million questions, which they do, but a million questions about how things work and how does that work and how did this start and, you know, all that, because that that's learning. Um, exactly. That curiosity, they really are questioning you. What's your answer, right? I feel like there's gold to be given, you know? Exactly. Um, uh, the other thing I was going to want to mention was uh, video games. How are you with your boys? I'm sure they're into video games. How do you manage that? Or what's your, what are your concerns around it? What are your yeah. <laughs> in, uh, insights and, and suggestions? It, it's been extremely hard during the quarantine too. So I just want to say like, I hope everybody can cut themselves some slack if they're, if they're letting their kids have more video game time and screen time. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not perfect at this. Uh, this has been a, definitely a struggle. It's hard because I can tell they're interested. I definitely think there are some benefits. Um, my younger one is very into video editing now. He's learned all the tools. And he was very into Animal Crossing, which is a, a video game. And they had a lot of text that the little characters would would uh, they would be like text bubbles. And so I feel like it really helped London's reading because he would read these characters and 
Um, and so I think in some ways I was like, okay, that's great. That's a, that's a plus. Um, and then I think, you know, on the other hand, there's a little bit of that addiction piece that can go in there where, you know, kids can get very, because it's giving your brain that instant dopamine it's giving, you know, there's so much going on and then you kind of have real life and it just feels like it's not moving quick enough. So I definitely think again, you know, the key is just to have that balance and what feels right to you. And, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of nature. And so I try to, to balance it with, yes, they can have some screen time, but Hey, after that, or before it, we're going to the park. I want you to you know use your arms and legs, run around, you know, that kind of thing. Um, cause I think that's very important. Absolutely. And, and tell us about nutrition. Where do you stand with that? And every parent's concerned, what are your tricks? What are your little little secrets? <laughs> My kids think I'm too healthy. Um, it's very funny. We get into arguments about it because I've heard that what, I mean, I'm kind of a health nut myself, but I really am a strong proponent of what you put into your body. It just plays such an, a major role in how you feel, how you look, all of that. Um, so, you know, my own personal philosophy is the closer it is to nature, the better. I try for myself to stay away from process. Now, you know, am I, am I as, you know, strict with my children? I can't be, I wish they would sort of say to me and say, Hey, I want a piece of fruit over, you know, something else. But, you know, so again, you know, I think I try to balance it where, yes, I'm going to try to give them, you know, fresh fruit and vegetables as best I can. And then also realize they're kids and they want, you know, chocolate chip waffles. What am I going to do? You know? So, I mean, I think, but I really do try to stay away from artificial dyes and um, you know, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I used to be kind of a little bit more strict on the sugar, but now it's like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll have a treat every once in a while. Cause then I think too strict and the rigidity kind of sets up a different problem. So again, I think it's just finding that balance. Um, yeah. Any yeah. specific supplements that you've used that you've noticed uh, made a difference or anything that, that uh, you remember that you noticed you know, it's so funny. I wish there were because I've definitely tried a lot. I didn't see anything that was over the moon that, that made me think, oh my God, I need this. And, you know, um, no, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think, I do think that, and I don't know if this is true for all kids, but I know for mine, they need to, they need to eat every few hours. Um, I think that makes a big difference and, you know, preferably some sort of protein to keep the blood sugar stable. Um, so that's a big part of it. So if you're experiencing some of those meltdowns, it may be because the kids are hungry, um, and they're irritable because they haven't eaten. Um, and so that's just one thing that I kind of had to realize like, oh, he's irritable because he's hungry, you know, like, and so it's just that reminder that, um, those snacks are, you know, you know, are a big, a big piece of it. And what about medication? Did you, did that come up back when, when, uh, your first one got diagnosed? Uh, how did you feel about it? Did you try it? Did you, what did you, uh, what, what was your stand around it and your experience? So, um, I didn't medicate and, you know, I, you know, I, I don't judge anybody else on their decisions. This was just mine. I felt like, let me try first to see how the supports go in school. And if that's enough, then, okay, I can kind of deal with the impulsivity and that kind of thing. And I will do more self-care on my part rather than, you know, try to, you know, change him. Okay. I'm going to try to do what I can, you know, for me. Um, so I haven't medicated. Um, I, I think I just was a bit nervous myself. Um, 
And so, you know, luckily, I don't think we've, you know, had we're we haven't or not at that point now where I feel like we need it. Um, and, you know, and, and that's kind of where I am about that. Yeah. And what about uh, did you or um, their father have ADHD in the family and the lineage genetic? Is there anything that um, that you right. can point to or? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. No one was diagnosed directly uh, in my family or his family, but I have my suspicions that <laughs> there's definitely some on on both sides, actually. Um, yeah, one a little bit more of the hyperactive side and then one um, a little bit more of kind of like the dreamy kind of way. So I, I do, I do, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if there's a genetic component for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of energy. You can probably tell I'm super passionate. Um, I was never diagnosed, but I can see a lot of the, you know, I, I can see where maybe my kids got some of that energy from too. Uh, I have a question. Mm -hmm. I'll explain to you where the question comes from after uh, you'll see why. Um, tell me about your parents. Okay. Was, was your mom, who was wearing the pants? Who was more disciplinary, what we call the sort of more masculine energy and who was okay. a more passive, you know, um, mm. out of curiosity. This is very interesting. So I think my parents probably had more traditional roles where my mom was kind of, you know, more of this. I mean, she was, she was a calligrapher at the time. So, but she was primarily, you know, with us when we got home and things like that. And my dad um, and still is as a lawyer. So he was he was working quite a bit. Um, so it was kind of traditional in that role. But um, I mean, I think they were strict in different ways, kind of. But I would say my mom probably made more of the decisions, um, you know, when it when it came to things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious. It'd be really interesting to hear their perspective on that, too. Um yeah, that's because uh, one of the things we're noticing is that, mm -hmm. I mean, this this is still early on because we we wanted to make our project about our son. So it's about a boy and boys are usually the ones more diagnosed with ADHD. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, girls just sort of they, they, they act differently. They're more mm -hmm. internal uh, or space cadet -y or, you know, right. but some are hyperactive rarely but some are and one thing we're finding is that usually when a when a girl has been diagnosed with ADHD that there's a, a bit of an imbalance uh in the masculine and feminine energy where where the mother is a bit more in the masculine I don't know what decision making means in, in your right frame of reference but but it's kind of like the dad is just out to lunch makes the money leave me alone and and the, the woman's driving the family that's the masculine because technically yes. the certainty and the vision uh usually comes becomes more grounding in the family if it's from the masculine right or the disciplinary right sure and that's my dad my dad was very passive my mom was the disciplinary made oh, the really? decisions. and so i ended up feel, feeling that 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 role reversal a little bit that's a different story but um, it's just curious because with a lot of the girls that ends up being somewhere a factor and then that gets handed down and you know right. it's fascinating it's so it it's, it's too much but you know i was just curious because you're so i mean everything you've achieved and i read in your bio is amazing you know oh that's so sweet the, thank uh, you so much yeah you're wow. welcome you had you had somebody with a good good work ethic. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I do look back and both my parents kind of like they had like my dad 
is a lawyer, but he was also a ski instructor. And so he kind of dealt with a little bit of his creativity that way. And so I like that because, you know, I'm a therapist, but I do writing and did a radio show for a while. So I think it, it maybe almost subconsciously kind of taught me you now. Yeah. Grandma was amazing. Um, she died seven years ago, but we were super, super close. And she uh, was married to a man who died very young, like in his forties and she took over his business. And so, you know, back at that time. And so I, I wonder if I get some of that from her. Um, yeah. And that sounds, that sounds like it when you just said it, the coin dropped because my <laughs> wife, my wife grew up in Ecuador and all her grandma, mom, they all had businesses and the, and, and the husbands weren't around, right? In your case, the, the mm -hmm. grandfather had passed, but uh, the other ones just weren't available. And so the women rolled up their sleeves and they're like, we're doing this, yeah. you know? And so my wife, all, all three, her and her sisters are all like super educated entrepreneurs. Like they can work, you know? So good. And, uh, so now it's the, our balance is like having her not feeling the need to do so, but still choosing to do so, but not out of like, I have to. That's really great. I, I love the work that you guys have done. I love it. Yeah. As a therapist, <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is great. It gets, uh, as you know, as a therapist, there's so much work, so, so much to do and just an individual. Right. And then yes. as a couple and then as parents and so, uh, so, well, I, it's been a great conversation. I really, uh, I think we've tapped into a lot of different, uh, topics and corners around ADHD. Is there anything that you would like to share with, uh, parents listening, anybody? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps, you know, as, as, as our, our title of the project says, we're not the traditional, uh, ADHD podcast mm -hmm. or, uh, film. So we're, we're, most of our listeners are, uh, interested in alternative ways or right. is there a light at the end of the tunnel? How can they do it without medication? Sure. Uh, anything you'd like to leave it with? I, I'd love, yeah. I'd love that. Well, thank you so much again for having me on. It's been such a gift talking about this. Um, I think, you know, what I, you know, looking back now, I wish that there were more kind of resources uh, for parents or caregivers who are going through this. And so I think, you know, please don't feel ashamed if you need to talk to a therapist um, about this. I mean, we all, we need to have, self-care um you know when going through something like this so i just like i, I guess i just want to echo that again and again that it's okay if you need you know to talk to somebody about this um so that you don't feel so alone or so burdened by all this um but yes i mean i think it's a hundred percent possible to you know raise uh boys without medication um if that's the you know route you're going toward it's just going to take a little exploration and discovery and understanding. And then again, really kind of tuning in to what your particular kid needs and listening. That's great. Thank you for that. Sure. Well, Kelly, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm going to leave some of your links uh, uh, in the show notes or listeners can, uh, can check that out. And uh, again, congratulations on your book and all the achievements. And uh, I look forward to reconnecting sometime in the future when our boys are teenagers and yes. we all go Remember back then when we were worried, <laughs> right? It's all, it's all going to work out. Well. You know, there is, there is hope. Many parents like yourselves, like us, we're doing it without medication. Exactly. Uh, I would say we're all growing in the process for sure. So true. And so, thank you so much for what you do because you are helping so many people. And I'm so really like, I'm, I'm so thankful because you will inspire and help so many. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. That, that really yeah. means a lot to me. So, well, until next time. Sounds good. Thank you again. Have a great weekend. Yep. You too. Bye. Bye.